standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. Hate crime is rarely out of the news at the moment, it seems, and by hate crime, I mean under current legislation, an offence that is proven to be motivated by hostility towards race, religion, sexuality, transgender identity or disability, an aggravating factor usually resulting in tougher sentencing for those who are convicted of it. This week, I spoke to Sylvia Lancaster, the mother of Sophie Lancaster, who was just 20 years old when she was murdered in Bakeup, Lancashire in 2007 after she was attacked with her boyfriend, Rob. So said the papers, because they were goths. Although you'll hear in a minute why that wasn't quite accurate. Five teenage boys were subsequently arrested and charged with Sophie's murder, three of whom were later convicted and jailed for grievous bodily harm, while two were convicted of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment. It was a very, very high-profile case at the time, and I'm sure many of you will remember it for the really shocking nature of the crimes. The judge presiding over the case described the attack as feral thuggery and said that it raised questions over the sort of society that exists in this country. Sophie's murder has recently been in the news again after serving as the inspiration for a major storyline in ITV's Coronation Street. So I chatted to her mum Sylvia about how the storyline came about, the realities of life for alternatives and why attacks against alternatives aren't considered a hate crime, as well as how she's turning hate into hope with the foundation she set up in Sophie's name. I'd usually say something sort of fairly flippant about, I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed talking to them. Not that I didn't enjoy talking to Sylvia, but it does seem a bit glib under the circumstances. So what I will say is, I hope that you find it interesting and I hope that you find Sylvia super super inspirational because she is frankly a bit of a legend thanks for listening i'm joined by sylvia lancaster founder of the sophie lancaster foundation which was set up in sylvia's daughter's memory after her brutal murder and attack on her boyfriend rob maltby It was an incident that many listeners will remember hearing of, um, not least because it's recently become the basis of a major storyline on Coronation Street. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining me to chat today. Oh, thank you for having me. So I want to start at the start here and I wondered if you could tell me what's happened to Sophie and Rob. Sophie and Rob had been at a friend's house on a Friday evening. They'd been drinking, no, they weren't drunk. They uh, set off to walk home, beautiful summer's evening, and they stopped at a local garage and there met two young boys, one who said, look at the state of them, I don't want anything to do with them, and walked off. And witnesses say I was Sophie was chatting away to this other boy and took a stretch out for years and was chatting. Um, they then went with this young person round the corner to meet a group of young females 14-year-old, 15-year-olds. They went with this group of females into a local park. Um, Five young boys came in. They attacked Rob. They got him on the floor, jumping and stamping on his head off a skate ramp. Sophie went to help on her hands and knees, cradling his head. They then attacked her. And 13 days later, she died of her injuries, having never regained consciousness. Rob is fine and suffered, you know, quite a bit afterwards. As many people will be aware, Rob and Sophie were were goths? No, they always said, oh, no, we're not goths. We're individuals. Okay. Uh, But funnily enough, everybody who saw them thought they were goths, so 
you take your choice with that one. They looked different. They stood out. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah, particularly in the area in which they lived, which yeah. is big. I can imagine. I'm from a very small town in Essex. It would yeah. have been a similar kind of, certainly at that time, you know, anyone who looked different really in, in any way would have would have stood out like a sore thumb. Absolutely. Um, so the attack came kind of, you know, after, I guess, a sustained period of abuse against the the pair of them. Various people would have, you know, insulted them on the street or, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Did it ever did it ever worry you that it could tip over into something more serious? Do you know, no, it didn't. And I suppose thinking about it, I was a bit, a bit naive in, in reality. I was a youth worker at that time, worked with young people in in schools, worked on one-to-ones with them. And I'd heard what they said about alternative young people. I'd been out on the streets with Sophie and I'd heard people shout abuse at her. I'd seen the way that people recoiled from her in many instances. And and I'd look, you know, and I'd think, you know, it's such a shame. Because if you bothered to speak to her, you'd realise how lovely she was. Do you think people were frightened by their difference? Or it's, it's interesting the word you've used there, recoiled from. I just think people looked at them and thought they're different, you know, they're, they're not like us. And uh, so therefore there's a fear, a fear of difference, I think, within people. Mm. because they don't understand. It was such a shocking thing, I remember at the time, to read about, let alone to actually live through. Now it's obviously it's quite a topical time to talk about intolerance and hate crime because well, we mm. know, well, especially this week particularly that Absolutely. we're talking, we're talking just after the England lost the Euros final and obviously there's been this whole backdrop of abuse on social media against black members of the team specifically. Uh, racist abuse but we know that there's been a huge rise in particularly racially motivated hate crime since brexit i'm sure there are lots of other reasons but i'll just go through just a few statistics here so since 2012-13 the number of hate crimes recorded in england and wales excluding greater manchester i don't know why it's excluding greater manchester but this is just what's on the government's statistics page it's more than doubled since then and in 2019-20 there were 105,000 hate crimes recorded which is up from 97,446 the year before so what was interesting to me when i was looking looking at these statistics is that there are five centrally monitored strands which are race and ethnicity religion or beliefs sexual orientation disability transgender identity and i believe that misogyny is going to be added to that list after the sterling work of stella creasy so I wondered where does what happened to Sophie and Rob fall? Is it technically not recorded as a hate crime or perhaps it even predates recording things as hate crimes? The attack came just after hate crime had been brought into the legislation. And what happened was, I, I knew straight away, I was totally convinced they'd been attacked because of the way they looked. So therefore, in my mind, that's a hate crime. And so really started talking to academia, talking to um, police, whatever, and stated this is a hate crime and it should be treated as such. So that was that part of it. And we've also been working at the foundation 
to try to get hate crime against alternatives into legislation. Now, unfortunately, what's happened is, obviously with misogyny, I mean, the figures are enormous, you know, and we all know that. But the figures for alternatives, A, alternatives very rarely go to the police. They very rarely report. And so, therefore, the figures are very minimal, if you will. We can work with the various police forces and they put alternatives in as a fifth strand. So it's up to each individual police force whether they prosecute alternatives as a hate crime. We have um, been talking to the Law Commission recently because they're doing an audit of hate crime. So we can only petition and see what happens. Do you get a sense for how common hate crime of this particular nature is? Yeah, of course we do, because we go and work on grassroots level. So therefore, you know, we go around to the rock festivals during the summer, and that's really where we get most of our information from. And it's amazing how many people, and it drives me mad, how many people are attacked, both verbally and physically, and do not report. You know, we cannot stress enough. If you don't report, we don't have the figures. There's just been um, a case up in Scotland. A young goth girl got attacked for being goth. And um, she was sentenced, I think, Tuesday it was. So it does carry on. And if people report, you know, we can count the figures. It gets spoken of a lot that in a post-Brexit world, you know, MPs, politicians, for example, have kind of given licence almost to people to vocalise their racism or xenophobia or, or, or whatever it may be. So that is obviously massively on the increase, and we know that from how these crimes are recorded. Have you seen an increase in this kind of hate crime as well? And do you get any sense for why that is happening? Do you think we are living in a general world at the moment where it has become more acceptable to vocalise intolerance and hatred? Yeah, I think probably it has. And I don't understand the reasoning behind that. I, I hold my hands up. It doesn't make sense in any shape or form to me. Why people think that it's okay to verbalise whatever they think. Or, you know, we're not, they're not keyboard warriors either when they're on the internet. Mm. It, it doesn't make sense to me, but hey-ho, it's the reality of it. It's obviously something to do with the society that we live in. So I guess maybe, I don't know, I mean, I guess I could speculate again, but I think the social media stuff is really important, right? Because obviously the more it happens online, it's yeah. it's impossible to see that that wouldn't start to tip over into real life, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right, actually. And um, I do know that the governments are actually working, you know, with the Google, Twitter, trying to, to sort this issue out. Because at the moment it's very difficult to find out uh, online where the information is coming from, who's posting or whatever. So, But I do know that work is being done on that. Mm. So hopefully in 12 months' time, things might be slightly different. So I've read an interview, I believe it is the only one that, that Rob has given to newspapers since the incident to coincide with a film that was made in 2017 for the 10-year anniversary of the attack and and murder of Sophie, which was called, I think it was a BBC Three, Murdered for Being Different. Oh, yeah. And Rob gave an interview with The Guardian in which he said that he thinks that the term hate crime or the use of the term hate crime 
has oversimplified what happened and he thinks sort of ended up putting the emphasis on them. So, for example, the kind of the narrative in the press that Sophie was murdered because she was a goth or alternative or, or whatever they were saying. And he said, Sophie was murdered because people are assholes. And I think those are his exact words. And, you know, we need to think about why this happens and why people do this. I wondered if you had any view on that. I think he's quite right. It is a complex issue. It can't just be, you know, that somebody's black and so therefore, you know, the pig town or somebody's transgender or disabled. Just because of that label that they've got or whatever. It's not the people who are attacked's fault. It's the perpetrators. And we do need to look at that and we need to, you know, do research, whatever, on why people behave in the way that they do. And not just the behaviour, but they think it's acceptable. Now, why is that in 2021 that people think that that behaviour is acceptable? Where are we going wrong? Um, and that does need looking at. I, I quite agree, it is a complex issue. It's not straightforward. Thanks for listening. Do you know what is super helpful? It is super helpful if you pop over to iTunes and rate and review us. Oh, and while you're there, if you're not already subscribed, do that too. Thanks very much. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the storyline on Coronation Street at the moment. Just for people who don't watch Coronation Street, I myself am um, an avid viewer, as listeners of the podcast will know. And I have to say, I found it very, very affecting, actually. They've introduced a character who uh, is an alternative as well, called Nina, and she was dating a lad from the street called Seb, and they've been out and they've been attacked, and sadly, Seb has died as a result of those injuries. I know that you've been involved, to a certain extent, in in helping Coronation Street develop the storyline. I wondered how it had come about and, and to what extent you've been involved in it. Right, well, what happened was, one afternoon, you know, we were sat in the office and we've got the emails open, and I think it were Adam, actually. Mum, we've just had a, an email from Coronation Street. Well, get away with you. <laughs> no, we have. And they want to do um, a programme about hate crime and use Sophie's story. Well, you can imagine, can't you? Oh, OK, Adam, right, whatever. Anyway, we rang them and they invited us down to go and talk to them. And so we did that and they explained what they wanted to do. They explained that they wanted to bring in an alternative because it's a different way of looking at hate crime. Uh, and it makes people think, you know, outside the box, really, which is what we need. So I went down and spoke to them and was quite happy with the proposition that they came up with. We discussed alternatives, you know, and the goth culture and, and whatever. Then the next thing, you know, they brought Molly into the programme. Yeah, we went down a few times and, and spoke to them. And I was very surprised, I suppose, and I shouldn't have been, but I were, but... They were so, not sympathetic, but sort of, they understood everything, if you will, and wanted to treat things in a, a respectful manner, not just to use it for, um, you know, oh my God, is this what happened? And I think they've done it in a really, really professional way. Again, listeners know that I am an avid viewer of Coronation Street. I think they've had a few storylines in recent years that have been quite shocking, but I think that they have dealt with in a realistic way and I think dealt with very well. 
And this, to me, is is one of those. I think, yeah, I, as I said, I found it very affecting to watch, you know, to watch the scenes in the in the run up to and and after the death of the character Seb. How much difference do you think that can make? Because soaps, obviously, they have massive, massive reach, don't they? Yes, I mean, I think it's the most watched soap in the country, in the UK, isn't it? What I wanted out of it, and I think they've managed to do that is really just to get people to think. You know, to think about the behaviour, to think about consequences, and to show people that, you know, when somebody's murdered, it doesn't end. It doesn't end there. There's all the other stuff that goes on with it, and I think that will be portrayed later on. One of the things that they've kind of brought out as well with the storyline is the way the system, and obviously this is slightly different to what happened with Sophie and Rob, but the way the system uses things against the victims. And I think specifically in this case, the thing that you see coming out here is class. So the perpetrator of the crime is a a middle-class lad with a sort of footballing career ahead of him. And and he seems to be getting away with it. And then all the other things are kind of used against the victims because they're perhaps, you know, from a less desirable background. So I wondered from the police and, and the way it was dealt with did you experience things of that kind of nature that you know things were used against Sophie and Rob as the victims I think what happened was and we were lucky in the beginning don't get me wrong the police were brilliant but I think what happened was they were a bit puzzled about Sophie and Rob and the way that they looked and whatever and I, th- and I think for the first couple of days, I, I think that because of Sophie and Rob's appearance, I think that they were looked upon as, well, is it their own fault? That's just what came across, I might be wrong. But what happened was, and we were lucky in this, this sense, because we live in a small community, many of the police officers' children went to school with Sophie or, or Rob. So obviously, their kids are saying to them, well, actually, no, they're absolutely brilliant, you know, nothing wrong with them, which uh, was a big... Uh, leveller, to be honest, because then the police realised, oh, hold on a minute, you know, these kids were genuinely nice kids. But you can imagine in other circumstances where perhaps that hadn't been the case, where perhaps you didn't have people close to the police working on it who hadn't known the victims, that, you know, perhaps they wouldn't have benefited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's the whole reason why people from alternative cultures don't report because they're very often seen as the perpetrator not the victim I mean what's all that about just because of the way that they look does not mean you know that the that the perpetrators but they very often are seen as that but I mean I guess you see that a lot in the in the legal system with all sorts of crimes like you know how short was her skirt for example being oh, yeah. you know but it is you know it's very saddening to hear that uh, it's appalling. And really, I think the justice system needs a right good overall. I really do. <laughs> I would absolutely agree with you on that. So, Sylvia, you set up the foundation in Sophie's name to promote tolerance and acceptance. Can you tell me a little bit about the work you do? Because I know you do quite a lot in the educational piece as well. Yes, yeah, we do. We have an educational resource that we take into schools, particularly. We've used it in universities, prisons, Rochdale Yachts use it on a one-to-one basis. So it is used all over the country, really. 
every secondary school in Leicester has this resource where people, you know, teachers can use it, etc. And they do. So that's one aspect. We're really a bit silly, really, because we've got three arms, if you will. So we've got the educational aspect. We've got the where we go into rock festivals in the summer, etc. And down with the grassroots. And then the other one, obviously, is working with police and conferences. And I also go into schools, or anywhere, really, and, and do talks, you know, and, and talk about what happened and about hate crime and etc. So we are, or we were, anyway, pretty busy with the three different aspects of it. Um, how that will work out now, um, COVID's finished, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Has it been cathartic to you to use the experience that you've gone through, obviously massively tragic experience, and use that to do some good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously I wouldn't do it if, it, if I didn't feel that. And, and if, if it didn't make me feel feel a bit better, then I really wouldn't do it. So, yeah, I think the answer to that one is. Um, but, you know, when it first started, I was just so angry. And what do you do with that? I couldn't bear it, to be honest, because uh, I'm not an angry person, is the reality. I'm properly laid back, you know. So all this anger sort of rushing around in your body and your system is really not good for you. So you have to sit there really and think, what can I do? And that really was the driving force behind it, to get rid of that anger and bring something positive out of it. It's incredible, and you're, you're right, Like the, the anger that one feels about all manner of different life events, I guess, can be very, very self-destructive. But all credit to you for realising that and, and wanting to do something about it to help yourself as well. Do you feel that the work you do gives you a better understanding of the perpetrators of these crimes? Oh, no, I don't think I'll ever understand. Um, and that's the truth. And it doesn't matter, you know, how long you sit there and you can ponder things and turn it over in your mind. And I don't understand and never will. And, and in one sense, I'm grateful for that. Because why the hell would I want to feel like that? Why would I want to feel like that? Why would I want to? I don't. So on the one hand, that's quite a positive thing, I think. And on the other hand, I actually like working in prisons. I love it. Usually the prisoners are very honest and you feel like you can work with them. You can work with that. So it is an interesting, really, juxtaposition. You know, on the one hand, it's really quite positive, but I don't feel sometimes as I'm getting the perpetrators we need to be more prisons is the reality working with offenders yeah absolutely more more work and rehabilitation i guess absolutely yeah it's the last question i want to ask you is because obviously at the heart of this crime is a victim who of course is your daughter and the family around her and the friends around her but i imagine sometimes that gets a bit lost in all of this and i wondered how you wanted Sophie to be remembered? I, I think the foundation actually has gone a long, long way into building a legacy for Sophie. And if we can keep it in the public eye by any any reason, really, I just don't want her to be forgotten. 
I don't want a life living for nothing because nobody deserves that. The work that you're doing with the foundation is, is brilliant. You're such a powerhouse, Sylvia. It's incredible. How can we give the foundation money? I'm sure the foundation could do with a couple of quid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody can, I think. Well, yeah, we could do with some money. Um, you can get on the website. We've got a new website that's only been up and running a couple of weeks. And all the information regarding that, bank details, etc., is on there. It's www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. And your Twitter account is at Sophie underscore charity. Sylvia, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Standard Issue for All Women.